Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we are privileged to be in your presence. I pray tonight that you would would lead our hearts to be transformed by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, that we would find rest in you, and that no matter what our reason was for coming today, Lord, I do pray that you would give us a reason to go out and to live for you this week. Not by trying to prove ourselves or by trying to change ourselves, but by of giving ourselves to you totally. By trusting you with all of our lives. By submitting ourselves to you because you are the trustworthy one. You are the one with power and wisdom and knowledge. So I pray that your spirit would move mightily here and transform all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated for tonight's scripture reading. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42 to 49. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever read scripture and thought it was written in code? And you, you didn't have the, the decoder, if you will, to go through and figure out what it meant, and so you just kind of like, I don't know what that means, so you just turn the page and, and go to something different. This part of this letter in 1 Corinthians is difficult in some ways because it, it uses words that mean something to us in English, that isn't the original meaning to what the author wrote in Greek. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul a couple thousand years ago, and so he wrote it in a language before English ever existed. And So now we have to take what he said and translate it over to what it best means for us. And there are some words in here that fall short because there is no good way to encompass all that he said within one or two words. So hopefully... Some of these, as you heard those spoken, some of these verses will become more clear. Because Paul is talking about something that's fairly simple that all of us hopefully will understand. He was talking about a need to be changed. Something had to change. 
We as a people are people of change. Although the older I get, the more resistant I become to it. I don't like it as often. But we're still people of change. And what I mean by that is many times we find very little about ourselves that we like. There seems to always be something or many things that we would love to change about ourselves. When we're children, we can't wait to become teenagers. When we're teenagers, we can't wait to get out on our own. When we get out on our own, we can't wait to, to find someone or to, to find that special person and possibly get married. We may find ourselves wanting kids or not wanting kids. We may find ourselves wanting a new car or a new career. We may want to move because we don't like where we're living. We may want a new relationship because the one that we're in is falling apart. We may find ourselves living as adults with all of these responsibilities and we're stressed to the max. And then at that point, we start looking back to when we were a child and wishing we could go back to that point. It's a vicious cycle. We are people of change. We're very often dissatisfied. Many times we strive for perfection in our lives. And we won't stop until we look as good as possible. Sometimes we get to the point where we just embrace the fact that we're not going to look as good as possible, so we say the heck with it, and we just go off the deep end. We embrace our failures, and we give up. So why is it that we seek change? Why are we discontent with how we are right now? There's an answer. I believe we are discontent with how we are right now because we were originally created in God's image. And we have a desire to get back to that perfection. In Genesis, that's the first book of the Bible, in chapter 1, we see God created mankind. Humans. He created us in His image. We are the crown of His creation. It says, God created man and woman in the image of God. Male and female, He created them. Their bodies were perfect. Adam was created first, and then God created Eve. Look at this from Genesis chapter 2, as he goes more into detail here in chapter 2, verse 20 and following. It says, the, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So he was saying nothing in creation was worthy for companionship, was up to the standard of beauty as Adam. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is a, bless you, this is an amazingly romantic thing that, that Adam says to Eve right here. He says, this at last is bone of my bones. 
Doesn't that make your heart swoon, ladies? <laughs> if we understand what it means, it should, because he is saying, at last, I've finally seen someone like me. Beautiful. Glorious. In the image of God, you are like me. You are flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast. That means to be united. To hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They must have been perfect to be naked and not ashamed. Humans are the only part of God's creation created in the image of God. God originally created man and woman in perfection, beautiful, in His presence. They didn't have body image issues and they were naked and felt absolutely no shame. No shame. Immediately after this scripture, this is the last verse of chapter 2, so immediately after this starts chapter 3, and we see the fall of mankind. The breaking of this perfect world. Because there was rebellion, and that rebellion is called sin. It took us out of God's full presence, and it took us out of that perfect state and cast us into a broken world that is instead of being ruled and and seeing God in full authority with peace and prosperity, is now broken and is ruled by sin and death. You see, we can make temporary changes right now in this broken world, but they won't last. We should take care of our bodies. We should strive to live in a healthful way. God does care how we live now. But our hope, what we cling to, is this transformation that comes from God. This permanent hope, not a temporary hope. We cling to this transformation when eventually we will be changed. But it's not just changed like you change your clothes. We will be transformed. We will be brought back to that original state of perfection at the resurrection. We will be perfect back in the full image of God. Tonight we're going to see that our present bodies will fail. Our future bodies are eternal. And we're also going to see that the resurrection is a new beginning for us. So let's talk about that first one. Our present bodies will fail. Number one. This is how we cling to transformation. So our present bodies are in desperate need of change. Some of our bodies more than others. For example, I was riding a bike yesterday and I decided, I want to see how fast I can, I can go. So I pedaled really hard uh, for quite a while and then I got winded. And as I decided, okay, it's time for me to slow down and, and just coast, I started to coast, but my, my heart didn't start, start coasting. It, it, it got faster and faster and faster. And I was thinking, I, I may pass out right here and, and have a wreck on 23rd Avenue. I was a little nervous. My heart was going to explode. So I was made aware that my heart is in need of some change. My body needs some change in it. So I did what every 
person should do in that. I went home and I grilled a steak. Uh, I did ride a bike to, today too, but I, I did actually have a steak. It was so good. But these, uh, these bodies, they're in, they're in need of change. They don't function the way they should. Even when I do get into better shape, and that's my goal, is to get into better shape, it's not going to last forever. This body runs on a broken system. And our system that we are living in and under is ruled by sin and death. Look with me in chapter 15, verse 42 and following of 1 Corinthians. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. So last week, Paul had talked about the differences of, of our bodies. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, which is the seed, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. So he's talking about our present bodies. It's sown in dishonor. But it is raised in glory. Our present bodies are sown in weakness. But they will be raised in power. Our present bodies are sown as a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Seems almost coded for some of this, but some of it is quite simple. So I'll go, with those, I'll go over those quickly. The body he's referring to here that we're in now, this present body that we are in, he calls it perishable. Another word for that is this decaying. You know, therefore, the first few years of our lives, we, we grow and we get to the, the peak of our physicality and then we start to, to go south. We start to lose our hair and from the top of our head and it starts to show out in, in our ears and in other places and, and, uh, and, and we just we get wrinkles, you know, and scars from living. And eventually we're, we're much older and our bodies are... They're decaying. They're heading for death. He said these bodies are also sown in dishonor. And what he means there is shame. There is shame that comes along with with our lives here. These bodies are sown in weakness. We find that out when we, we face things that we can't bear, that we're weak. And then he says this one, and I want to spend some time on this one. Then it says it is sown as a a natural body. And so this word natural body here means the embodiment of ordinary nature. Paul is not saying that this current life now is physical and natural, and the one, the resurrected life to come later is spiritual, like like a ghost flying around. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying now is the bodies we have now are physical, And the resurrection bodies are also going to be physical. That's what he teaches all throughout this letter and in other letters as well. What Paul is saying here about the natural word here, he is saying that what fuels our bodies now, what our bodies run on, is different than what our bodies will be fueled by and what they will run on at the resurrection. very prominent New Testament scholar named N.T. Wright put it this way. He said, The contrast Paul is making is between a body animated by one type of life and a body animated by another type of life. The difference between them is found, if you like, in what the two bodies run on. The present body 
is animated by normal life, which all humans share. But the body we shall be given in the resurrection is to be animated by God's own Spirit. Transformation. Change. This transformation that we are clinging to as Christians is not a change that we can bring upon ourselves by setting markers for us to attain. But it has to be done by God's Holy Spirit. It only comes through His power. And that's what the transformation at the resurrection is going to be. Pastor Larry read the verses from Romans chapter 8 today, and it talked about the Spirit of Jesus the Messiah dwells within all believers at the moment, and that God is going to give our mortal lives life, eternal life, through the Spirit that lives within us right now. So as much as we need to change our bodies now and We need to work on our bodies now. We need to be in shape. All those things are good. Live healthy lives. Make good choices. Ultimately, the the change that we all crave and the change that we need, it must come from the Holy Spirit of God. Our present bodies will fail us. But number two says, our future bodies are eternal. God never intended. It gets a bad rap a lot of times. God really does. Like New Yorkers. People think New Yorkers are rude, but those are, those are people from Jersey. Those are the people that are rude. Right? I got some Jersey people here. Sorry if you are. Okay. Some of you are nodding in affirmation there. God gets a bad rap because He never intended for these bodies to function the way they are functioning right now. What we are experiencing is a, a result of our rebellion against Him. We chose this path through rebellion against a good creator. And this good creator, instead of casting us out to death forever and leaving us alone, has chosen to become broken and to give us grace and to step into this broken system and to redeem us, to buy us back. So these future bodies that he has promised to all believers is an eternal body that will never get sick. It will never sneeze from allergies. It will never cry. It will never find itself in weakness. It will never get cancer. It will never be corrupted in any way. So we're going to look at those same verses and see the contrast from the bodies we have now to the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, so our present bodies, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown as a natural body, but it is raised as a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So the future body is referred to as amazing, first of all. It's imperishable. It will never decay. It will not undergo decay in any way. It says it will be raised in glory. And the glory here we talked about last week is not will be shining bright like a diamond. No? Man, come on, guys. That's funny. It's not that we're going to be shining bright like, a, like this candle or an incandescent light bulb. We're going to be, have glory. We're going to be the opposite of shame. Freedom. Joy. Honor. Glory. We're going to be raised in power. So instead of being weak, we're going to have true 
God-given power in our lives that will never be corrupted. And then finally we get down again to the natural versus spiritual. And he says, this spiritual body will be raised. And he again is pointing out what we've already talked about. This spiritual body means that we will be running fully on the Spirit of God. He's going to create new bodies for us that will never fail or wear out. This new physical body will run on this powerful, life-giving Spirit of God. And we will be operating under a new system. Not a a system that is broken by sin and death, but a system that is sustained by the holy, powerful presence of God Himself. And this is where the word transformation becomes important to us and comes into our faith because in order for this body for me, in order for this body for you to be changed, in order for us to live in that new system, it has to be transformed. We can't take the way we are now and transfer it over to God's new system. It must be transformed before we can step into the glory of God. We must be transformed from decaying to undecaying, from weakness to power, from shame to glory, from natural to spiritual. God is eternal. So this future life that He has for us, this resurrected life, is eternal as well. His Spirit transforms us. Which leads us to number three. This resurrection is a new beginning. This might be my favorite part. I love how Paul ties in beautifully the Old Testament with the New Testament to help us understand more of what God is doing. This chapter led off, and we uncovered some of it in a few weeks ago, with God's work in Genesis with Adam. And it finishes with the work of Jesus, who is referred to as the second Adam or the last Adam. So there's a, a new Genesis, a new beginning that's happening. So in Genesis, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. He also created the trees and the plants. Those trees and plants had seeds, and they would produce after their own kind. This chapter is teaching us, just like there was a beginning in Genesis, this resurrection is going to be a brand new beginning. God's going to complete the project that he began in Genesis. He's going to come in and he's going to reverse the effects of human rebellion. He's going to change it, especially death itself. He's going to reverse it. He's going to change it. The greatest enemy, death, that brings God's beautiful world into decay and and corruption will one day die. I'm ready for death to die. Are you ready? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, he finishes up this section here. It says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, he's referring to Christ, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's us. And as is the man of heaven, 
so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall also, oh, excuse me, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So remember we, earlier we read that Genesis says that human beings are created in God's own image. So Paul is taking us back to that reality. Remember, you've been created in God's image. He's saying that just like Jesus was resurrected also, you are going to be resurrected. You are in the image of Adam right now. When you are in Christ, just like he was resurrected to this transformed life, you too will be like him. It's not something weird and spooky, but it's something that takes us back to the origins of creation. When God had humans in his image, perfect and transformed, this transformative, resurrective, resurrected life that we have promised for us is a new beginning for all those who are in Christ. He says in verse 49 right here, we'll put that up and you can look at it. He says, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's what we cling to. Yes, our bodies are imperfect right now. Yes, we should take care of them as much as we can. But our lives shouldn't fall because we are not perfect. God doesn't promise us a perfect life right now. He promises us a perfect, transformed, resurrected life for all those who are in Christ. He's going to finish the work that He has started. God has already raised Jesus in His fullness. He's already there. He's the prototype, if you will. We've, we've seen Him by the word of testimony of those who saw Him physically raised from the dead. It's already happened for Him. There is this resurrection. But right now, we live in a time where the prototype exists, but it's not available to the public yet. Today, or yesterday, or the day before, or something like that, I saw an article for the new iPhone 6S. is already prototyped and probably under production somewhere. Well, we can't access that yet. And in fact, that's going to be created and produced before the general public can get their hands on it, legally. That's a little bit like what's happening right now. We're in that phase where the prototype Jesus has been resurrected to this new life. And we have to wait for God's time for Him to come back and to kill death. Jesus is our promise for a brand new beginning. Why is He waiting, though? If he can come back and fix everything, why is he waiting? That's more of a complex answer. But I think the answer is that because God is merciful, that's why he's waiting. There are billions of people in the world who don't believe in Jesus They don't know who He is. There are people alive today that have never heard that name. And until the time Christ returns, He's called you and me to go to work. We have a mission. We have been commissioned. We have been empowered. God is not desiring anyone 
to perish and to decay and to lose their life for eternity. He desires to rescue everyone from death. Rescue is what the word saved means. If you ever hear someone ask, are you saved or have you been saved? That means rescued. Have you been rescued from death? Have you been rescued from the enemy of sin through Jesus? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives His disciples a commission, which He also gives to us. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven, this is after His resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I believe this is why Jesus delays so we can reach more and more people. So we can help Astoria be a better place to live. So that people who are broken in relationships and broken in their jobs and broken in, in every other way can find healing through the grace of God. They can find transformation for their lives instead of trying something new that is just the new thought of the day. This is how your life gets better. They can find true peace through the one person who has the, the knowledge, the wisdom, and the power to truly transform their lives. God has commissioned us to speak with authority, to let the world know, world know that Jesus is the King, the true King of the world. And He's worthy of worship. And only through Him can these failing bodies be transformed into bodies that are eternal. See, what Jesus did was He submitted Himself to the Holy Spirit. He was fueled by Him. He lived a perfect life. He submitted Himself to the Father and He prayed in the garden. He said, Father, if you can, this cup can pass from Me. If there's any other way than the crucifixion, I pray that You would show Me that door right now. I would like to take it. But nevertheless, not My will, but Your will be done. And He willingly went to the cross for crucifixion. He's the only one who has ever been resurrected from the dead that was transformed into His glorious, new beginning, glory self. Jesus died, but He didn't stay dead. He rose again. And for all those who believe in Him, we claim that same promise. Only through Jesus can we have this new beginning. The resurrection is our new beginning. It is only through Him that we can find true change, transformation that our hearts crave. The question we all must answer is, do we have this life that only Christ can offer? Is this something that we are confessing to God that we have sinned against Him? I've learned a lot about repentance lately, and I found out that our true offense is not against other people. True repentance is like the man who was in the temple, the poor man, and he was beating his chest. And he said, Father, forgive me. I have sinned against you. Our true offense is not just against people. Our true offense is against God. Understanding that, coming to repentance and faith in Christ, is how we cling to life. That's how we cling to transformation. 
That's how we cling to grace and hope and truth and glory. We do that when we cling to the hero, our Lord and Savior Jesus. If this is you and you've done this, no matter what happens in this life, no matter how long or short, no matter how successful or how much of a suffering that you have to endure, you have hope. Because even though your present body will fail, your future body is eternal. And praise the Lord Jesus, the resurrection is a brand new beginning for all of us. Instead of trying to go out this week and change yourselves, I want to challenge you. Receive God's invitation to be changed by Him. Pray to the Spirit of God to enter, to overwhelm you, to guide you, to empower you. Tell God you want to be fueled by something different. You want to be fueled and empowered by His Holy Spirit. Cling to the transformation that God gives us through His Spirit. Because that is the only way we will truly be changed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for the grace that You show to us. Thank You that in the midst of our failing, in the, in the moments where we look back and we see mistake that we, mistakes that we have made, thank You that when we look back through the lens of Your Gospel, when we confess that we need You, when we cry out to You for forgiveness, thank You, Jesus, that You give generously forgiveness and grace and mercy to those of us who are not worthy of it. Thank You for what mercy and grace means. Remind us, Lord, throughout this week that we cannot experience lasting change apart from Your Spirit. When we are tired and ready to give up, remind us that at that moment we must be, we must be operating on our own power. Because God, You have power. May we confess our resistance to be trusting of You and, and dependent on You. Take away our desire to chase away fleeting pleasures of this life. Lord, we praise You for loving us enough to face sin and death on our behalf. And we praise you for the grace and love that you've shown to us and this entire world through your Son, Jesus. Transform us by the power of your Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Daniel talks about a transformation, I kept thinking... Why be transformed? You know, the bodies will die. Sure, the next body will be eternal. But at the end of the day, why be transformed? And in John chapter 14, when Jesus foretells this spirit he's going to give, he gives the, the greatest reason to be transformed. He says in John chapter 14, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. He goes on to talk about 
the Holy Spirit coming to transform lives. And that is why we are called to be transformed. Because this is not our home. And just like the beginning of the sermon kind of guided us into this way of thinking that this stuff is just is not right. There's something that needs to be changed. Ultimately, the change is that at the fall, we were cast out of our home. And we're orphaned ever since. And Jesus has come to adopt us into his family. Tonight, as we respond, I want to invite you in two ways. Number one, to celebrate your adoption tonight with communion. Christ did not leave you as an orphan. If you have placed your faith in him, submitted yourself to the Spirit. Remember what what we did not say. The gospel is not you try harder and Jesus loves you. That is not the gospel. The good news that Jesus, uh, that Daniel just proclaimed is the exact opposite of that. It is that Jesus died on your behalf. He laid down his life for you because he loves you. So if that is something that you have placed your faith, your trust into, the Bible says that you have been adopted into God's family. And tonight we can celebrate by coming to the table and receiving the bread, which is Christ's body that's broken for you. Those are the words that will be spoken as you receive it. And then you can step to the cup And the words are, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. The blood that was shed, the the price that was paid to purchase that adoption. So that's the first way, is celebration of coming home to the Father. Not because you tried harder, but because Jesus loved you. The second way that you can respond tonight is, is by coming and receiving the adoption. By recognizing your orphan state and saying, God, thank you for sending Jesus. I confess that I have done everything to dishonor your name by seeking my own kingdom. I have I've sought myself in my pride and my arrogance. I have wanted to build myself up. But tonight I come to you weary and burdened, asking that you would give me rest, adopt me into your family. You can do that by coming and receiving communion for the first time. You can do that. I'll be praying over, I'll be standing over here. I would love to pray with you. And anyone can come tonight and pray here at the altar. But those are the ways that you can respond to God tonight. We invite you to come and celebrate your adoption or come and be adopted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you loved us so much that you gave us the one, your one and only son. We praise you for that tonight. We celebrate that we are not orphans any longer, that you have transformed us from death into life, and that encompasses everything. That's not just about going to heaven one day, but Lord, that, that affects our lives today. So tonight... Would you send your spirit in power so that we would cling to that transformation? We would not cling to our good works. We would not cling um, to what we think we have earned. but We would cling to the transformation that you purchased on the cross. We love you. We praise you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand and respond after the musicians begin singing in a moment.